Hey there, folks. It's Aaron Morgenstein from FlexMedStaff.com. In this short video, Corinne and I discuss group policies. We talk about the certificate of insurance, or what many of us refer to as a COI, and how that can be misleading when you're referring to a group policy, as you may not know what's actually in those policy documents. Let's review what it means to have a group policy and what's in that certificate of insurance. Enjoy. We're getting together today to talk about uh, to continue our talk about malpractice. Um, so as you know, uh, we can be covered, we can go get our own individual policy and cover ourselves when we're working independently as a, a practitioner, or we can be under a group policy. Uh, do you want to talk about um, what the differences are, what to look out for, and uh, at the end, what is the COI or the uh, yeah coverage of insurance? Yeah, so with a group policy, the downside of a group policy is that you are signing on to a policy that someone else developed for you and that many times may not be individualized to you or your specialty. And many times these group policies benefit the one paying the premium, the facility, a locums company, a staffing agency, whatever it is, over the practitioners. So generally the one that holds the group policy, once again, those staffing agencies, facilities, are gonna do what they can to cheapen that policy. So although we all have participated in group policies before, we should understand that there's certainly some risk to it. An individual policy will always be better because an individual policy working with a broker and agent is hopefully gonna be one that suits you the best. Let's talk about the COI or what we refer to as a certificate of insurance. This is a piece of paper. It, I wouldn't even call it a document. It's a piece of paper. It hides the most important elements of a policy. And those important elements are hidden in the policy documents. And that's 20 pages plus. And most of us, including I think you and I, we have not read those policy documents. We put, <laughs> we put good faith that since we were presented with a certificate of insurance that says claims made policy of one over 3 million, we feel so warm inside that we're well protected. But the problem is, is that we may not be well protected with a group policy. And it really depends how cheap the policy was written. So some things to consider are this. One is there's exclusion policies. And this is something to think about when you have an individual policy as well, is that you may be a primary care doctor, but if you're doing hair transplant, let's say, that may not be covered, okay? You may be doing, you may be a PCP, but knee injections may not be covered. So it's important to know what exclusions there are in the policy documents. It's really important to know about a hammer clause. Okay, or it deems expedite. Okay, these are terms that are written in a policy that benefit the one paying the premium, the staffing agency, the facility, over the practitioner. A hammer clause is a situation where you get sued, the malpractice carrier and the facility elect to settle the case to avoid further losses or the legal battle. And so they want to settle the case. And they may say to you, hey, Joey, we want to settle this for $50,000. We want it off our, our queue. 
And you'll say, no, it's not my fault. I don't want to do it. Uh, I want to proceed with a court battle. Well, if for some reason you lose in that court battle, you would be potentially responsible for all those losses. So you'd be responsible for the judgment against you and the legal fees that go beyond the $50,000 that the carrier wanted to settle for. That would be horrible. And deems expedite, I don't even know if I'm saying that correctly, okay, is something even scarier. They can settle a claim without your uh, acknowledgement. So they can maybe make you aware that they're going to settle it, but you don't have the ability to stop them from settling it. You really want a group policy or an individual policy where there's a pure consent. Another element to worry about in any malpractice policy, individual or group, is legal fees. You want to make sure that the legal fees are paid outside the one to three million. One way to cheapen a policy is to include legal fees within the one to three million. So let's say you go to a you go into a court battle, you think you're innocent of some action, and the legal fees add up quickly. They it won't be fifty thousand dollars. It'll be a hundred thousand plus. So if your legal fees are a hundred thousand dollars, and the, the judgment against you winds up being a million dollars. Well, your policy is only going to cover you $1 million per claim. And so you would be on the hook for those legal fees, that $100,000. So certainly something to be uh, cautious of. There's, other, there's another thing I worry about. It's called a deductible. I've seen this, Corinne. I've seen this in group policies recently. And it, it actually says it in the certificate of insurance. So they weren't hiding it from me. But there was a $200,000 deductible that the practitioner was responsible for before the carrier took action. So that would mean that I would be responsible for up to $200,000, paying $200,000, just like an auto policy or a health insurance. I have to pay the deductible to start paying off the legal fees to get the case rolling. I can't believe those exist, but I know why, because it makes the policy cheaper for the big facilities, staffing agencies, et cetera. That's a lot of material. Did you have anything else to add about what's behind the COI and what's really in those policy documents? I think, Aaron, you've covered it beautifully. I mean, these are staggering costs that we're talking about. And when you're looking at a COI, this is not going to be in there. It's going to be in the actual insurance policy, which they may or may not provide it to you when you're in a group policy. So absolutely staggering costs, um, deductibles being over 100,000. As we know, the defense cost limits can really add up with the lawyer fee, expert witness fee, other admin fees. And if that's included in your 1 million, you could be responsible for paying you know, quite a bit extra. So I think you've covered it really well. Lots of points of caution and things to look for. Yeah, I, I think that all physicians in particular going forward when you're associated with a group policy, especially through staffing agencies or these private groups that are out there, it's worth asking them for the policy documents and seeing how they respond. If they say absolutely not, you know, maybe it's not someone you should work with, but just consider asking for those policy documents and maybe consider reading them going forward. Yeah, I think that's all the time we have for today on an introduction on things that might be in your group policy and why a COI is a little bit misleading. There were some topics we certainly covered that are helpful for someone with an individual policy as well. But basically what we're getting at here is that there are items 
uh, provisions, clauses, addendums, amendments that can be written into a, a policy to cheapen it either for you or the uh, carrier or the uh, facility, staffing agency, et cetera. And you should be concerned or knowledgeable about these items. So consider asking for those policy documents. I hope you enjoyed this piece. If you would like to hear more of what we have, please subscribe to this channel. I hope you have a good day. Thank you. Okay. Tape off. Hey there, folks. It's Aaron Morgenstein from FlexMedStaff.com. In this short video, Corinne and I discuss what's a broker, what's an agent, what's the difference, are they the same uh, when it comes to malpractice insurance? So. In this video, we'll review malpractice broker versus malpractice agent. Enjoy. Okay, so Aaron, we wanna to talk today about malpractice brokers and agents. In theory, agents represent the malpractice carrier and brokers represent the practitioners. Um, how would you uh, further um, describe what we're looking at and talking about here? Yeah, I think it's important to recognize that a broker in theory represents a represents the clinician and they want to get the best policy for their clinician. Brokers are generally responsible or oversee multiple different policies so they can work with multiple different carriers whereas a agent or a malpractice agent is generally a representative of the malpractice carrier. And therefore, their first priority is the malpractice carrier over the clinician. Now, I'm not here to say that one is better than another. I think that's the most important thing is to understand, you know, an agent in general is going to offer one malpractice carrier, and that's the only option they can offer you. And sometimes they can offer some of the sister carriers as well, so they don't necessarily have access to just one. But a broker might have option and likely has option to many more malpractice carriers to present to you. Uh, commonly, we would think that a malpractice agent, since they're working directly with the carrier, can offer you the best deal. Surprisingly, that's not the case. They usually get the same commission if it's a broker or it's an agent, which is always surprising to me. The advantage potentially of working with a broker, not only do they have multiple uh, different carriers they can work with, is that sometimes they can actually get you a lower premium. And so what these carriers will do is that if they have a very, a very high volume broker, they may incentivize that broker by giving them a deal and that deal gets passed on to you and I. Now that broker is gonna take their same percentage so they make, make less money, but they may be able to attract more clients like us to, to because we're paying less. Those are the things I think about. Now on the, on the FlexMed staff uh, platform, we have access to what I think are some of the best brokers for independent clinicians and practitioners. We also have one agent and we have that agent on there because I think it's a terrific malpractice carrier that they represent that I think that everyone needs an option needs as an option when considering malpractice insurance and the this particular malpractice carrier uh 
does not allow brokers to represent them. So you have to go through an agent. So that's one of the reasons why they're on the FlexMed staff platform. Did you have anything else to add in your experience of working with a broker or an agent? I think you've covered it really well. So I think if you have a broker, you are kind of shopping around for the best policy for you. Um, an agent, uh, not that they're bad, but they're going to only be talking to you about that one particular carrier. So advantages and disadvantages definitely give yourself the best option when you're choosing your malpractice. Agree. I hope you all learned something about brokers and agents when it comes to malpractice insurance. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our channel for much more. Enjoy your day.